0: Sports talk stations were cars. We'd be
1: the one that you drove the wheels off of in high school, cruising for chicks and going to the game on Friday nights, then forgetting where you parked it till Saturday morning and you had to get your buddy to drive you around looking for
0: it. I think I see it, man.
1: This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. It's a Wednesday for Pushing the Odds. Hour number two here on Sports Good Radio Channel 204. Matt Peralt with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Sports Talk Matt. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pushing the Odds. Now, coming up, we've got a bunch of things to get into. More on the NBA game last night and the win for the Phoenix Suns and just how impressive they have looked at home and what the Clippers have got to do in game two going forward and really the importance of numbers that game really came into focus as to what number you bet a lot of times people ask me like do you like it at this number do you like it at that number we'll talk about that coming up in the opening line during this hour of the program also nick baldwin will come in the return of nick diaz against leon edwards we've got two other title fights to get into for ufc 263 It's Wednesday of fight week, so we'll start to break down that card. It is an unbelievable card, top to bottom, uh, from the pay-per-view into the early prelims, the prelims. This is a UFC fight fan card coming up on Saturday night for the UFC. So we'll get to that coming up at 40 past the hour. But I just want to talk quickly here about baseball and the bad beat I had yesterday. And this, I've never had this happen before. I've never had a beat like this. So there's a trend going on right now where I was, I got this from a listener to my podcast, The Daily Juice. And this person said, Hey, look, it going into last night, yes runs for the Pirates in the first inning. Y R F I, as you'll see it identified at some books. Yes for a run in the first inning. 39 and 18 to the yes for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2021. That's insane. That's 66%. That's a really profitable trend. Okay, so I jumped on it yesterday. And Dodgers are in town. And okay, let's see. Did you see what happened in the first inning? Did you see what Cabrian Hayes did? Cabrian Hayes hit a home run. He hit a home run. All you have to do is run around the bases you just run around the bases it's simple right It's not hard you run to first base you touch first base you touch second base touch third base and you come home and you have a home run and I cash my bet I had even money on it on top of that I had an even money bet with a 66% hit rate. this was happening this was you know an easy cash easy money. Hayes missed first base he missed first base base you don't even have to run the bases for a home run but if you run the bases you have to touch all the bases because there was some question as to whether or not the ball had left the ballpark that's why he was watching down the down the right field line to see whether or not he had hit a home run or not it was ruled a home run by the umpires but he had missed first base before they had ruled home run so they went back and they appealed and they touched first base and he's out my bet goes from a win to a loss because Hayes doesn't remember how to run the bases like a kid. This is Little League. This is stuff you do on T-ball. Put the ball on the tee, you hit the ball, and you run to first base. But here's the thing about first base. You have to touch the bag. You must touch first base. If you don't touch first base, you can then be tagged out. I don't know how this happened. I, I am perplexed. I am completely amazed. It is a bad beat of bad beats to have that happen. Where could Brian Hayes misses first base after hitting a home run? He should score, and I should cash my ticket. My yes ticket should come in, but instead it's a loser because of a simple base running play. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Houston Astros, said base running is terrible today. It's a real problem in Major League Baseball, and it's only getting worse. What is going on with Major League Baseball? What is happening at the lower levels? Are we just completely abandoning all fundamentals? I mean, we had that play that happened with the Cubs and the Pirates where the runner, all the runner had to do, all the first baseman had to do was go back and touch first base, and they would have gone ahead and gotten out of the inning. Instead, they tried to do a rundown in the first base set and the runner was able for the Cubs was able to hold on long enough to let the run score, and then they didn't tag. They tried to get the runner out at home, and the first base runner, the guy who had initially hit the ball into play, ran to second base. I, I mean, I think it was Javier Baez who did it. I, I, I mean, how does that happen? That's not just base running. That's just fundamental baseball. That's understanding the rules of baseball. So now everyone strikes out. Nobody knows how to run the bases. And nobody knows the basic rules as to how to tag somebody out. What? Uh, if I'm Rod Manfred, I'm looking down to the lower levels. I'm looking at Little League baseball. I'm looking at high school baseball. I'm looking at college baseball. And I'm going, guys, what are we teaching these kids? What, what when they get to the major leagues how do they not know this stuff? How is this so hard? I mean, look, I don't like strikeouts the way they are, but I expect my major league baseball player to understand that all you got to do is touch first base and you're out of the inning. There were two outs. I expect my major league baseball player to be able to touch first base, and then if he does not touch first base, to recognize that and then go back to first base to make sure he touches first base because a home run was taken off the board because he missed first base. That should have been pretty clear. You come around that little turn and you didn't touch that little round, or that little square thing, right? That 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 thing rounded the top, square, the square with a rounded top. You, you didn't touch that. that uh, an alarm bell should go off in your head that, oh my, I didn't touch first base. It's incredible right now. I don't know what's up with baseball, but I have never had a beat like that yesterday. And of course, I'm betting it again today. <laughs> it is now 39-19. and 39-19 and 19 is still a pretty good clip. So I'll bet yes for the Pirates and the Dodgers today.
0: It's pushing the odds on a Wednesday. More to come. Don't move.
2: You're listening to Pushing the Odds.
0: Powered by O'Reilly
2: Auto Parts and Rocket Mortgage.
1: And now, out of Las Vegas, Nevada, by way of Boston, Massachusetts, here he is, Matt Perron! If you are a mixed martial arts fan, the card we've got coming up is incredible. But we also have something happening on Thursday with the Professional Fighting League that is pretty remarkable. We've got a fighter who is making her MMA debut who is arguably the greatest female boxer of her time right now. And she will fight coming up. Curse of Shields is going to be in an octagon. Octagon-esque, I guess you could call it. But in a mixed martial arts setting For the first time, she is a minus 300 favorite to win her debut fight. But it is interesting. If she were to win the PFL championship, and she's been training in in New Mexico at the camp for John Jones, if she can be something on the UFC, on the MMA stage, the UFC is going to come calling, and there's monster money to be made. I cannot wait to watch her fight tomorrow. I'm so curious what her skill level is going to be. Can she stay on the feet? And can she keep herself from being taken down? That's going to be the biggest question, right? Can she keep herself from being taken down? Because you would assume her jiu-jitsu game is going to be brutal. Like, you just don't pick this stuff up. It takes years and years and years. But if she can learn how to stop takedowns, yes. Yes, she can be something. And her striking power is much like we've seen with Francis Ngannou. When Francis Ngannou came in, he had to learn how to stop fighters from taking him down and once he figured it out once he was able to be skilled enough to say okay i'm not going on the ground i'm not going on the mat all i gotta do is stop you from taking me down if i'm able to do that whoo boy now you're ready to go now you can cause some real damage because the gloves are four ounces that people just forget about that right i mean boxing Ten ounce, twelve ounce gloves, depending on what the agreed upon weight's going to be for the weight for for the gloves in a boxing match. Eight ounce gloves, depending upon wh- you know who you are and what you want to agree to. But four ounce gloves, it, it's really nothing. And if you have ridiculous power with ten ounce gloves or twelve ounce gloves or fourteen ounce gloves, if you have knockout ability and you put on a four ounce gloves, oh my goodness gracious, that is something else. Ah, uh, there is some breaking news that just came out that I just saw. Speaking of the PFL Championship, wow, Anthony Pettis is out of his tournament. Anthony Pettis has been forced to withdraw due to an illness. It doesn't say COVID, but he was supposed to fight tomorrow night. Pettis was supposed to fight Alexander Martinez, who is eight and zero on the main card. Instead, uh, Nathan Schultz will step in. The 24-1 fighter will replace Anthony Pettis, but that's one of the big names for the PFL. A huge draw on the same card in the co for Thursday night is now out. Anthony Pettis out of PFL 4 for tomorrow night. Shields still in in the main event, but that stinks. We'll get to more of that coming up. He had 40 pass with Nick Baldwin from the score. But let's start this hour with our four big stories. We call this the Hard Four. It's time
0: for the Hard Four
1: on Pushing the Odds with Matt Peralta. Man, if you aren't watching Vegas and Colorado, what is up? you got to be watching this series. What an incredible, incredible five games we have seen. Vegas lost game two in overtime. They get the revenge in game number five in overtime. Mark Stone, unbelievable breakaway. He gets free, he gets the game winner. Vegas Golden Knights Radio as the Knights are up 3-2 on Colorado. Graves shoots, blocked by Stone, rebound shot, pin balls in front, and pick it up by Pat Tredding. out for Stone, here he
2: comes, working left side, he shoots, he scores! Mark Stone, he wins it in overtime!
1: that game, 3-2 the series, with it shifting back to Vegas tomorrow night here, T-Mobile Arena, as Vegas tries to knock out the present trophy winner in advance to take on Montreal in the, I guess they're calling it the Western Conference Finals, but it's kind of a weird situation. <laughs> Number two, though, Game 6 along Long Island is the site for the Islanders and the Bruins as New York tries to knock out Boston after Bruce Cassidy called the Islanders the New York Saints for what Barry Trotz has been saying about the way the Bruins play versus the way that the Islanders play and saying the referees are doing their job to protect the Islanders and the Bruins are committing all these penalties, and that's why there were three power play goals for New York in Game number five Barry Trotz was asked about the referees and how does he feel about the way the referees are, are doing it
2: I don't work them I I just I respect them because I've uh, as I said I worked the, uh, the the referee situation in the uh in the bubble last year and I got ran over I tried to call penalties I tried to call offsides I got hit with pucks I got knocked over I got all that stuff so um, I, I think I have a, a, and I've been in the league a long time. I just, it's a hard job, and I have a lot of respect for those guys because uh, I, I lived it. I was bruised and battered after the bubble, uh, being, a, being a referee during our scrimmages.
1: Number three, hell of a game in Phoenix last night. The Suns take game one of their best of seven against the L.A. Clippers. L.A. had a three blocked at the buzzer to tie the game after blowing a big first half lead. Look, I, I, I think it's going to be Suns and Jazz, but Utah ha, ha, you know, ha, ha, has got to play better. Sorry, I called him Phoenix, sorry. Utah has got to play better. Paul George didn't shoot well at all, and the Clippers lost by just three. That has this Clippers team feeling pretty good coming out, even though they're down 1-0. I mean,
0: it is, we just continue to uh, give ourselves chances. Um, I think that's the positive. That terrible third quarter to start to, to have up. Uh, what, 13, 13 or 14 And the third just started and uh, we just came out flat. They came out uh, I mean, they were playing desperation ball the whole night and um, you know, we, we didn't match it until late. Um, but, you know, I think the positive out of it is uh, you know, we gave ourselves a chance uh, regardless if, you know, regardless we gave this one up uh, with a flat third we still gave ourselves a chance to win this.
1: Utah up 1-0 over the Clippers. Game two tonight for Phoenix and the Denver Nuggets. More on that game here in a little bit. Before and finally, Aaron Rodgers did not appear at minicamp for the Packers yesterday, as was expected. The Green Bay quarterback may or may not get an excused absence from the team. We've got to wait and see what happens, how they respond to the fact that Rodgers is not at press yesterday about his quarterback not showing up. Hey Matt, whether it's excused or not, you said last week that you hoped to see Aaron here today. How disappointed are you that
0: you don't see him here?
1: Yeah, you, you know, I think anytime you're talking about um, any player on your football team, you, you'd love everybody to be here, and so, um, you know, it's certainly, it is what it is, man. And uh, we'll focus and we'll control and 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 work on the guys that are here and try to help them become the best to their ability and and, and coach the heck out of them. Those are our four big stories for us here on a busy Wednesday, 702-751-MAP, the text line, 702-751-6288. I got to say, as I'm watching the highlights for Florida State and Oklahoma in game one of the World Series, the College Softball World Series in Oklahoma City, so many Sooner fans are there for Oklahoma, Florida State winning game one of that best of three. They'll play again coming up here tonight. I've been really Excited and pumped to see the crowds being full and as energetic as they have been for the Women's College World Series. And because in Omaha, I spent five years in Omaha and I love the College World Series. It should be a bucket list item for anybody who loves the game of baseball. And I, I've seen so many games and been there for so many rocking environments. Was there when they built the new ballpark, and you know, signed a long-time lease and long-time agreement to keep it there. I really hope the College World Series comes back roaring. That stunk last year. I really hope we see an incredible College Baseball World Series atmosphere in Omaha, Nebraska, coming up later on this summer here in a couple of weeks. But next, let's get to why numbers matter. What happened at the end of the Utah Clippers game and the bummer loss I suffered yesterday in baseball and in basketball. Next year, I'm pushing the odds. Live on
0: Live.
1: saw that coming not the block the loss the loss when i had minus three and a half last night for utah against the la clippers numbers matter this is something that i get asked all the time now it mostly comes from my podcast audience the daily juice but it comes also from you guys on pushing the odds as well where you ask me matt you bet at this number Would you bet it up to this number? And I often say, look, my handicap, my bet was made at that number. So if I'm laying three and a half and you're asking me, should I lay four? Well, no, I I, I mean, I laid three and a half. That's what I laid. So like, do I think it's going to be good? Yeah, potentially, but that's not where I bet. So if it was four, I might not have bet. Four and a half might not have bet. Same thing with juice, right? If the juice is up to minus 160, minus 170, I may not have bet it. If it's minus 120, minus 110, I may bet it. Numbers in this game matter, okay? So last night, the number was three and a half at open for Utah against the L.A. Clippers. The number rose to four, okay? Went up to four, and then the news came out that Mike Conley was not going to play steam went the exact opposite way three and a half three some books were as low at, as low as two and a half on the utah jazz last night so they had a 10 point lead 10 point lead and then they started to jack threes and they were missing lead got down to six and then donovan mitchell i don't know what he was doing he threw the ball into the stands Turned it over. And then Paul George, who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Paul George, who was ice all game, rises up and knocks down a big three. Leads down to three. I'm thinking, okay, so here I need either a bucket or I need a foul to get to free get to the free throw line. Donovan Mitchell shoots a shot, misses it badly. Rebound. LA. They come steaming down the court, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's 13 seconds left. More likely to shoot the ball here. If they miss, then we get a rebound and a foul. I get two free throws. I need one of two to cover. Instead, I don't know what that offense was. That was horrific offense by the LA Clippers. They could not get the ball into the right hands. It winds up in Marcus Morris's hands in the corner. He double clutches a three. It gets blocked, and the game ends. The ball never got near the rim. Three-point win. I laid three and a half. So I end up losing. Numbers in this game, they matter. It matters what you lay. It matters what you take. And the books right now are incredibly sharp. It's the postseason. In particular, like tonight, when the game is a standalone. There is one NBA game tonight, and there is one NHL game tonight. There's a whole litany of baseball games. And we'll get to the Pirates and the Dodgers here in just one second. But there's a whole litany of games to get into for baseball, but no one's really gonna be watching that. You're gonna see a ton of people, in my opinion. You're gonna see a ton of people be betting heavy on this game coming up tonight. The guy that bet, I think it was three hundred thousand last night on the clippers to win the game. It would have brought back a million. That's a bad loss. That's a bummer loss. That stings. But I think we'll see bigger bets like that come in here because these games are standalone. And so the books, the numbers are incredibly sharp. The books are very, very much on their game. So last night, three and a half it opened. Game ends at three. If you bet the Clippers, tip of the cap, nice bet. I didn't have it fall my way. I had three and a half. I end up losing. If you had three or two and a half, that's great. That's a good win take it. You guys get the better number and it matters. Good job coming in. Good job waiting. Donovan Mitchell after the game, talking about how his team just managed to find a way to get a win.
0: I think the the biggest thing is, you know, the first half, you know, kind of just figuring out, you know, what they're going to do.
2: You can watch so much film on how they play Dallas all you want, but you know, at the end of the day, they're going to guard us differently.
0: Um, So kind of go out there and feel the game. And like I said, I was not, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of things right, you know, for my team in the first half, and I really kind of aided me, um, still does, um, put my team in a certain position, and I feel like that was on me, you know, to come out there and just set the tone on both ends of the floor. Um, I think that's really where my head was at, just going out there and just trying to find ways to be aggressive. Tonight, it was getting to the rim, and I hit a few threes, but you know, who knows what's going to be next game? They're going to make adjustments, so are we, you know? And at the end of the day, we could definitely
2: all shoot a little bit better.
1: Yep, and. In the first half, you got to play better all the way around. Better shot selection, better defense, all the way around. I don't necessarily agree with the idea that the Clippers showed that they're going to be right there in this series. I think what we saw was the return of a home atmosphere and what a home crowd can do for a team that's playing poorly in a big game and how the crowd can pick you up and turn things around because Jordan Clarkson was the only one hitting shots in the first half, but every three he made, there was a tremendous roar, and the crowd was into it. They were fired up, and they really wanted, and they pushed hard for their superstars to turn things around, and that's exactly what happened. In the second half, they came out of the halftime, and they were just on fire, and they did a ton to keep their crowd motivated and to keep their crowd interested. And it was just an awesome third quarter for the Phoenix Suns. Sorry, for the for the Utah Jazz rather. And they were able to ride the home crowd. And the same thing I think happens tonight for Phoenix. I, I having that home crowd, that atmosphere is so important right now, in particular for young teams that don't have a ton of experience in the you know in the playoffs to have a chance to, you know, be picked up and to say, okay, this is, you know, hey, you gotta keep going. We need you. Let's go. It's the sixth man, if you will, in basketball. And we saw it last night for Utah. And I think we'll see it tonight for Phoenix. Number I bet last night, I laid the six. It's five and a half right now. It is juiced to the Denver Nuggets at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So it feels like the public is coming in here on the Denver Nuggets, laying are taking the five and a half, six points. I don't really hate that. Other books are reporting 52% of the bets and 48% of the hand of uh, uh, 48% of the bets are on, are on, are taking the, so sorry, Phoenix minus six, 52% of the bets on Phoenix minus six, 48% of the bets on Denver plus the six. The handle is split 50, 50. Everyone's on the over, including me. It's, I'm on over 222, 94% of the handle at, at other books, 85% of the bets. I mean, everyone's on the over. I'm on the over. I don't know why you'd bet the under. I still think this number should be 227, 228, somewhere in that range. I got 222. I'm comfortable being on the over. I'm comfortable riding with the public here. It is the pros and the Joes are all coming on here. But, again, the first move early when it opened at 225, uh, sorry, 220. Two and a half, rather, was to the under, and the bets came in and it drove it down to 222. Now it's 223 and a half as all this public money just come pouring in here on the over for the Nuggets and the Suns. But the number coming down, there is respected money coming in here. It is not real reverse line movement, but it's kind of reverse line movement. Where we're seeing it's basically 50-50 if the number is coming down towards the Nuggets, so it feels like more respected money, but if DeAndre Ayton plays the way he's been playing or he played in game one, I think this is a win again. All you need is Jokic to be contained, not stopped. Just contain him, and and you don't have to worry about it. So I want to share one quick story on a bad beat. Did you guys see what happened in the Pirates and Dodgers game yesterday? So there's a stat that I gave out earlier that came to me from a podcast listener of mine that the Pirates, going into last night, 39 and 18 to the yes for run score in the first inning. Okay. Run score, first inning, 39 and 18. So I bet yes at even money that a run would get scored between the Dodgers and the Pirates in the first inning. Pirates rookie Cabrian Hayes hit a home run in the first inning, but he didn't know it was a home run. He came around first base and he missed the bag. The dude missed the bag. How do you miss the bag? Because he missed the bag, (laughs) he was ruled out because the ball was still in play when he was rounding first base before they ruled it a home run. Missed the bag, they appealed, they touched first base, and he was out. It's one of the most ridiculous ways I have ever lost a wager because it should have been a home run. It should have been yes. So sometimes you can have the right line. Sometimes the right play and sometimes the baseball gods and the betting gods just don't want you to win and that's what happened so even though you could have you know a three and a half point number and buying the hook would have been the right move right buy down the three and then you wound up getting a push that would have been the smart move didn't do that but sometimes you can be on the right side sometimes you can make the right bet and sometimes you lose because of fluky weird wild things like a rookie for the pirates Missing first base like a Little Leaguer. I mean, literally. This is Little League Baseball. Run to first base, touch first base. That's what you have to do. To miss it after hitting a home run and being so excited you hit a home run in Major League Baseball, you forget to touch first base is like the first time you get a hit in T-Ball. And you run the wrong way. And your dad or mom's got to stop you and say, hey, go back and touch the base. Sometimes the gambling world's cruel. (laughs) Sometimes you lose on the hook. Sometimes you lose cuz the gods just don't want you to lose. That's betting. You got to roll with it and roll with the ups and the downs. Downs stink, ups are great. Here we go. Let's talk UFC. Let's talk a little bit about UFC 263 next year. I'm pushing the odds. Expert
0: perspectives and
2: you're listening to pushing the odds live from las vegas here's
1: matt Peralta. we got a lot going on in the mma world right now ufc 263 carissa shields starting her mma career coming up tomorrow with the pfl debut mixed martial arts debut let's talk to nick baldwin MMA editor from The Score joining us here on Pushing the Odds. Nick, Matt Peralta, how are you? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you? I'm great. Let's start with the Shield story here for just one second, with her debut coming tomorrow before we get to the card for UFC 263. What do you see as her ceiling? I mean, do you see her being a real big star? I know PFL hopes she will be, but do you think she's going to be able to transition from boxing into mixed martial arts?
2: I think it's it's definitely possible. Um, I think we'll have a bit of a better idea come tomorrow night once she fights because the thing is she is the pound for pound number one women's boxer in the world right now but that doesn't always translate to mixed martial arts because she has no experience grappling, no experience kicking, you know any sort of kickboxing, and so there's a lot to learn. And she's working at Jackson Wing down in Albuquerque, which is and and has been for years one of the top MMA gyms in the world. So I'm confident that she's getting the right training. But how long has she been training it? It hasn't been that long. Like we're talking maybe six months at the most. Um, and so if they bring her up the right way, like if she fights the right opponents. You know, she she absolutely has potential. I, I'm not ready to say that she's going to be a UFC champion one day just because we haven't seen her yet. And so I, I feel like we need to sh- see Shields in the cage before we can really make those calls because maybe she just doesn't have a grappling game whatsoever. But maybe she does. So I'm hopeful, but, you know, I, I think we need to sort of wait and see a little bit before saying Cressa Shields is going to be the one to dethrone Amanda Nunez or, or something crazy like that.
1: I was talking to a pro boxer yesterday at my gym, and he, he told me – I was asking him the same question. And he said he had sparred in mixed martial arts just as he was coming up as a boxer in South Africa. And he said, you don't have any idea what it feels like to get kicked until you get kicked. And it's not just the takedowns he was talking about. It was the fact that as a boxer, you use your legs so much for stability – that when the first time you get really kicked and kicked hard, that you aren't ready for it. How do you think she handles not just the takedown defense, like Ngannou had to learn, but the fact that leg kicks like, well, Conor McGregor learned, can really change a fight?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you know, somewhat of an eye-opening experience, I'm sure, like, of course, the thing is, she's trained in, in kickboxing now, you know, over the past few months as she's getting ready for this MMA debut tomorrow night. She's trained in kickboxing, she's trained in wrestling, she's trained in grappling, so I guess it won't be the first time she's ever taken a leg kick, assuming she, you know, if she has to take one tomorrow night in her debut, but... It'll be the first one in a fight that is full force, and yeah, I mean, I, I've never taken a leg kick, so I can't speak to how much it hurts. But I would imagine it, it doesn't feel great, um, and uh, it, it's going to be a new experience for her. So, um, you know, as, as a boxer, she's she's tough already. You know, not many people can be a professional boxer, never mind the number one in 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 the sport. But uh, yeah, MMA is absolutely a, a completely different beast.
1: Alright, let's get to UFC 263. It's Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori 2. The first time these two guys fought, it was a five-round decision for Israel Adesanya. Vittori did not agree with it at all. He was very upset. That's why he's back here. Do you feel like the fight goes the same way as it went the first time around, or is Vittori better than he was the last time these two fighters got into the octagon?
2: Well, Vittoria is absolutely better since April 2018 when they met um, in in the same arena, actually. They're they're fighting this weekend in Glendale, Arizona. That's where they fought the first time three years ago. But the thing is, Israel Adesanya has also made big improvements in the past two years as well. That's why he's the UFC midway champion and undefeated in the weight class. Um, I do think we're going to see a pretty similar fight. I, I think this one has the potential to be competitive. Um, on the feet, Adesanya, as everybody knows, is this long-ranging striker. He likes to sort of fight you know, in his space, and, and he needs that space to do well. Vittori is a completely different style of striker. He comes forward, he pressures you, he gets in your face, and he tries to drown you on the feet. And so, to me, that is kind of the recipe to beat Israel on the feet and then to back up Vittoria's striking game, he has an excellent grappling game as well. He's a pretty good wrestler. Um, He he has a couple of submissions under his belt in pro MMA and in DFC as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the... You know, Israel is a, is a pretty big favorite here, betting wise. But I think we, you know, we there is the potential to see an upset on Saturday. I, I really do believe that. Um, I'm I'm probably leaning towards Israel just because I think he's really, really good. But Marvin Fedori is, is stylistically probably the toughest test for Izzy um, at 185, and. Um, yeah, he's going to take it to him. I, I don't think Marvin is going to uh, show Israel too much respect. I think he's going to try and get in his face and, and really try and try and beat him. Is it going to be enough? It's tough to say, but I think we're in for probably another pretty competitive decision.
1: What do you make of Adesanya's loss at light heavyweight and now him coming back down here to defend his title? He had a reach advantage over Blankovic. But he's got a really big one against Vittori. He's got a six inch reach advantage here in this fight and a four inch height advantage. He's been in the octagon with a light heavyweight, now coming back down here to middleweight. How do you think that experience going up a weight class could help Adesanya?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it only helps Adesanya in the sense that he now knows, like, he, he has that experience fighting bigger guys um and and he can you know use what he learned in, in the Blahovich loss um obviously Blahovich kind of you know won that fight with takedowns later in the fight in, in sort of the third through the fifth round um and, and so I'm sure Izzy that that's something he's been working on throughout this camp leading up to the Victoria rematch um but I don't think we can read a whole lot into that fight just because Israel Adesanya wasn't you know he he's not a natural light heavyweight that wasn't right. his weight class he was trying to do something you know something that not many people have done no one has actually won the ufc titles at middleweight and at light heavyweight so it, it would have been a historic victory for, for, for izzy um but i don't think him losing to jan who you know in terms of like his build and his strength was a lot bigger than his, he made, even though izzy was a bit taller and a bit longer you know, losing to Blahovich doesn't mean you're no longer the best middleweight. And so I think we can kind of just not entirely forget about it, but in terms of how Israel performs as a middleweight, I don't think his loss at light headweight, you know, I, I don't think those two are really connected. So I, I don't think him losing to Blahovich is a sign that, oh, all of a sudden the Tory— can can grind them out or exploit that sort of that that weakness in his defensive wrestling, because Bohovich is a lot bigger than Vittori. He's a lot stronger, he's a natural tool of fiber. so it, it was a you know it, it was a failed attempt by Izzy to to win a second belt, but I don't think that means that suddenly he's no longer the greatest middleweight in the world.
1: Nick Baldwin, the score, tucking UFC 263 with us here and Pushing the Odds. The co-main is Devinson Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. This is going to be an interesting banger. I mean, the draw, I, I, I don't know how you scored it the first fight. I didn't really, I mean, I thought Figueredo want, was winning that fight. What do you make of the rematch? How, how live is the dog here in your mind for the challenger to take the belt?
2: I love the rematch. First of all, um, for what it's worth, when the fight happened live back in December, I did score a draw because you know with the Figueredo point deduction, I had him winning three rounds to two, and then the, the point deduction made it a draw. I actually went back and watched the fight a few days ago for a feature I did over my score in the lead up to the, the rematch, and this time I had of winning four rounds to one. So my, my final scorecard, the second time around, was forty-eight forty-six. I don't think. Brandon Moreno is a super live dog. I think he has the potential for sure to make this another dog fight. I, I'm expecting another sort of fight of night caliber fight. I'm not going into the fight expecting an even better one because it's tough to top what they did back in December. But mm. uh, Moreno's chin and his overall durability is going to really keep him in this fight because the thing with Figueredo is he was pretty ill apparently going into that first fight so you have to wonder how much his cardio was impacted how much if his overall performance was impacted if, if he wasn't at 100 percent and he he still beat moreno in, in terms of rounds and then only had the draw because of the point deduction, you have to wonder like how much better he's going to look on on saturday in the rematch. so i think moreno can still do well i think he can probably win a round or two but i like figueredo here um, and, and really the only reason I don't think Big Redo is going to dominate him or, or, or uh, finish him is just because Moreno is so tough. He has a great clean. He took a lot of body shots and, and, and punches to the to the chin last time out, and he didn't go down, and so I don't see him going down this time, but I like Big Redo to to win this fight this time.
1: Does it concern you, and I not concern you, but are you surprised that the total rounds for this fight is three and a half? I know it's a five-round fight, but Figueredo's got such incredible knockout power. I, I thought I might see a, a, you know, a smaller, a, a lower number for total rounds. Do you think this thing could go into the fifth round? I do. I mean, we we saw it in December. So based on Moreno's
2: toughness especially, and I know I've been talking about that, this, but I think it it going into the later rounds is is what this really depends on um, is is Moreno's chin and his toughness, but I do think he'll survive all five rounds. I think we, as I said, I think we'll probably see a better performance from Pegredo, maybe a more convincing performance from from the champion, but I think Moreno's going to hang in there. I I don't see him getting finished, so I I do think this goes five rounds. I think we'd see another decision, and uh, yeah, three and a half, you know, the over three and a half seems. you know to be okay like I I, I'm not confident Figueredo finishes him I'm not saying it's impossible like Moreno everyone can get finished but I just I wouldn't bet on Moreno getting finished I, I I wouldn't personally I think this one does go to the judges again
1: Nick you got two minutes left what do you make of the return of Nate Diaz here against Leon Edwards Edwards a pretty big favorite
2: yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating fight. Um, obviously, one of the ones that people are looking forward to just because Nate is such a, a big fan favorite and, and such a big star. But let's be honest, I mean, Leon Edwards is the number three ranked welterweight. He might even be one of, like, you know, number two just behind Kamaru Usman. Um, this guy is legit, and I, I think he's going to dominate Nate. I don't see Diaz as being a legit contender at 170. I think he's a bit undersized for the weight class. and. And I guess more than anything, Edwards is just too good right now. Um, confusing matchmaking, just in the sense that Edwards isn't a huge name and he's a great fighter. Maybe not the, the kind of fighter you would think Nate would want to fight, but he took it. And uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in Edwards to get it done.
1: Interesting. I, I I'm really gonna see. I mean the scar tissue for Nate Diaz is my concern. He cuts so easily. He's got so much baggage he takes into every fight that in Edwards it just, it feels like there could be a stoppage. For for a cut, right? It, it feels like Nate might might be dealing with you know some of that old scar tissue that could come into play here for this fight. I don't know. I, I I think Edwards is really really a tough opponent for for Nate. And I love Nate. I think he's incredible. But he's stepping into the octagon with a really really tough opponent. Nick, good stuff, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. As Nick Baldwin at Nick Baldwin MMA MMA editor for the Score joining us here on the progressive uh, on the progressive guest line? Um, you know, I don't know the Figueredo over three and a half at minus one thirty eight at the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think is a really good that's a really good bet. I like that a lot. I think taking the over in the main event also I think is decent I I think the chin for Vittori could be there that is also set at three and a half rounds but it's massively juiced to minus 180 but I do think that fight will go and the fight to go the distance minus 124 on the yes the fight ending on points minus 135 so I think that's I think we could be in for 10 rounds. On Saturday night, more to come.
0: Some artists work in clay, some in oils. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Grid Radio, you get lunchtime with line makers coming up here at the top of the hour for sports map. We continue on and we got a bunch of things to get into, including a replay of my conversation with Ben Kircheval from CBS Sports. You guys already heard it on SportsGrid, but really a good conversation. We a spirited conversation. He on Twitter he said it, we we were yelling at each other. We weren't yelling at each other. It was a spirited conversation about whether we should go to four or eight. And I you know, he, him and I disagreed on some good things, and I just personally, I don't believe that Alabama and Clemson are going to dominate forever. I, I just, I, I think their time will come to an end at some point. It's been, a, it's been a long time, but I always just go back and say that I covered Alabama when they had four coaches in four years. So don't tell me that Bama's always been this way. They haven't. Now, they're one of the blue bloods, but. It does run in cycles, and LSU had Joe Burrow, and they won the championship. And it can happen, and teams can beat, and Alabama can struggle, and Alabama can have injuries and bad seasons, and, and those things happen. Now more often than not, Bama's going to be in the conversation, but that's not a bad thing to have them and LSU and SEC teams in the conversation, as well as Big Ten teams like Ohio State and everything else, you know, who who, who are out there. Real quick before we wrap here, did you guys catch what Washington defensive end Montez Sweat said about the team bringing in a vaccine expert to explain why the COVID-19 vaccine should happen? He said, quote, I'm not a fan of it at all. I won't get vaccinated until I get more facts. They're bringing in an expert, Montez Sweat, to give you more facts and why he was asked why was he hesitant to get the COVID-19 vaccine he said I haven't caught COVID yet so I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID I mean this dude thinks you take the vaccine to treat COVID not to prevent COVID this is why they're bringing in experts to have conversations with NFL football players who clearly don't understand the way vaccines work <laughs> I mean yikes dude you said that out loud <laughs> whoa yes Education is needed, big time needed, to explain how a vaccine works. We are back tomorrow on Sports Grid Radio, channel 204 for Sirius XM. We continue on for two more hours on Sports Map Radio. Don't move, more to come back tomorrow as well. Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports. It's okay. Breathe. You found it.
0: Sports Gaming Strategies and Info.